Hello all, welcome to the Looter Seaspire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 181, and today we'll be talking about I and My Mom. I'm GC13. And I'm David. We finally make it to the end of this Steven Bomb. Yeah, although, eh, really it bleeds right into the next one if you think about it. Finally, kind of like, this is the last one, the last Steven Bomb we had, and really, to me, it kind of symbolizes the end of the need for Steven Bombs. <laughs> it's become such a episodic show now yeah now cartoon network is throwing torpedoes at us anyway yeah they're well right we're getting hit with so many episodes right now but it's interesting this episode obviously bleeds uh over directly from are you my dad picks up right at the beginning there's some great music i always notice when even strash would give a different sort of composition like they're really trying to put on some tense vibes the whole episode uh, I thought the beginning was a pretty good standout besides when Jamie's getting threatened to be killed was also yeah. had some pretty good tones going. Very dark that. Yeah, probably my standout moment of the episode for a dramatic moment that actually felt dramatic. I felt it also had some good characterization for Aquamarine, who is it, oh, a pretty yeah. serious threat. I mean, sometimes I she's not really my favorite character because she's got the whole small thing going on and she's a little cutesy, but really, like, she's an intense character. I mean, so far we haven't seen her to have any real weakness in combat. She just totally destroys the crystal gems with a super simple tool and forces Steven to uh, sacrifice himself just because, I mean... She can't be beaten, really. Well, except we do see that she has a little bit of a weakness in the next yeah. episode. But if she doesn't see it coming, but not the not the best circumstance they found themselves in. Their super fusion all uh, stasised up, and then Topaz right there, just in case Stephen decides to get in her face. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like their odds if Stephen doesn't sacrifice himself. Let's put it that way. No, it was the best choice. I think when we first talked about this episode, not quite a year ago, but nine months or so ago, I wasn't totally down with, with Steven's choice. But I mean, if he had jumped right then and there from the ship, what what would have happened? She could have just picked him right back up and all his friends too. So I did notice this time around that I don't know how important this is, but since Aquamarine recognized Rose Quartz gem, and didn't question that that would be any other Rose Quartz somehow lingering around. There is some sort of knowledge that everyone has shared that Rose Quartz is that whole vein were bubbled up or maybe destroyed. Who knows? Based on the lies we've heard about the destruction of Earth, maybe some gems were lied to about the destruction of Rose Quartzes as well. But that was a little interesting to me. Well, it wasn't the destruction. It was the devastation. That's true. I guess an uninhabitable unha- place. Maybe not a completely obliterated place. But yeah, I wonder if the Rose Quartz stories have any more to play in there. It just sort of made me think about that. Aquamarine probably knows more about uh, what's going on than maybe the the general gem hiding out in the underground of Homeworld. But because, yeah. uh, I mean, she's seen Earth in its real living glory. But I am interested how much they know about Rose Quartz or if what else they know about the Quartz line, because she doesn't question that. And she takes Steven up on his word. It would not have been difficult for Aquamarine to just pick up everyone and take them on the spaceship anyway. But she took Steven's offer, which is interesting. Yep, I mean, all she has to do is say, well, I was working on getting the humans, then Rose Quartz presented herself, and I took her straight here. Right, and that's enough of a gamble. I mean, sure, she's high up in society, but she's dealing with diamonds. So the fact that she takes that as a trade is 
pretty important to know. Yeah, if if she took that, it's because it's not a gamble. She knows this is what Blue would have wanted. Yeah. And I mean, and as we see, uh, we'll see later on, Blue was very interested in this acquisition. Really? Uh, what You know, Yellow Diamond is almost super dismissive of it. It's kind of weird who is pushing for that more, or how like someone like Aquamarine would perceive that pressure, but mm. anyway. Uh, but let's see. So we start off uh, basically... Well, like you said, right where we left off in the episode, but also uh, as we ended last week's podcast, I, I wanted to get in the whole Pearl talking about what a big deal aquamarines and topazes were. Like, she knows these guys are always, I mean, I guess gems are always the same, so they're always personal henchmen of the of the diamonds. Which, aquamarine really filled that role. To me, topaz didn't really prove that. I mean... She's a heavyweight. Yeah, Topaz was just the muscle. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe all Topazes are paired up as fusions. Maybe that's like their secret technique that they get to use. But I mean, that fight scene in the spaceship was kind of one of the worst ever in the series. As yeah. far as like a lot of lying around. How is Topaz not approaching them? Just and barely any animated action anyway. Yeah, we see how strong Topaz is early on when she just throws Garnet. But in that fight, all we can say is that she's trying not to hurt Connie because that's just about the only way that it <laughs> makes sense for Connie to be able to block her. Because she can pop Steven's bubble like that. Yeah, we didn't. I, I I liked seeing you know like Topaz walking around and the spaceship shaking and the way that she handled her rod weapon and the deliberation she took in swinging it but it would have been nice to see a little more effect of that i mean like have her hit steven's bubble and pop it you know and have them knocked back or yeah she does that once she does do that yeah i guess she does do that she does pop the bubble to show how strong she is but then you know she also lets connie block her yeah which is crazy because connie doesn't have that strength i guess the bubble thing didn't stand i need to go out and watch that again because somehow i missed the uh the effect of her breaking that bubble maybe it wasn't as visually strong as uh maybe it could have been since it's not sticking out in my mind but maybe that's too critical but yeah and really uh, in the funland confrontation too i guess i i like that they made the crystal gems efforts look kind of petty and trivial and not not good but uh topaz could have been involved in that more and Really, it's weird how each one takes a turn. That's sort of like cartoon yeah. logic-y there, where it's like, Garnet jumps, and then Pearl jumps in the air and announces exactly what she's going to try to do. <laughs> and Aquamarine's just like, nope. <laughs> yeah, Aquamarine nopes her right into orbit. Yeah, and then, you know, Amethyst makes a questionable choice in trying to rip off slash tear through Connie's arms um, yeah. with her spiked whip, but... <laughs> That's okay, Topaz is not only strong enough to deal with that, she's also smart enough to take the pressure off of Connie's hands. <laughs> so really, Topaz is already blind some of that sweet nature that she has in protecting Connie throughout this episode. Yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair, like, their mission is... To, she knows that the mission is to acquire them alive. The order's made out of set alive, but I'm pretty sure that if Aquamarine had, you know, killed Jamie to make an example... They would have gone and got another mailman before leaving. <laughs> I think Lou Diamond would have been pretty depressed if <laughs> they just brought back a bag of dead humans. That would have been pretty bad. <laughs> well, for, for everyone watching and for Blue Diamond. Yeah. Steven also in that conversation 
<laughs> in the trailer, it works out when he looks back into like Topaz's glowing light and he gives a thumbs up. But in, in reality, the ridiculous confidence he displays looking at Pearl and then him just being like his only plans to make a bubble. Yeah. Then, <laughs> and then what? I mean, ideally, he would have made the bubble while the crystal gems were there to capitalize. But that that never happened. So yeah. he made, he did the best with what he had. Steven's seen Aquamarine's tool since last episode, and I'm surprised that he didn't focus on, like, no one brought up the idea we should get that away from Aquamarine's hands slash head. Yeah, maybe we could disarm Aquamarine and then Topaz will be easier to deal with. Yeah, plus they'd have a really useful tool if they got that. But I we don't really know, though, if that tool is... um. Well, a tool, an actual mechanized or technological thing, or if it's somehow a part of her. Yeah, because she wears it as part of her outfit. Yeah, I mean, Era 2 seems like the era of Peridot-style technology attachments, but who knows? These these are hench gems, so it's hard to say. Yeah. And I, I, I do like Aquamarine's little speech. You can, you can tell she hasn't done many missions, because... She's still giving her little monologue about how great she is and she's doing her duty to the diamonds. It's so adorable how much she loves her job still. You know, she must be up to something, though, because she was already getting pretty impatient. And how long had they been on Earth? Like a week? And she was just like, time for me to go back. I'm so through with being on Earth. It's like, was it really that bad? Well, it's a lousy job, be honest. Yeah, I guess. You're skulking around in the dark, harvesting, like, what at best you could call primitives. Mm-hmm. I did like how they, at Funland, like, when they show up, she's just like, oh, you found me, like, clearly <laughs> knowing that they're no threat and just sort of getting to revel in that, you know? I mean, yeah, like, you walked into our trap. You found us. <laughs> uh, she's got some great lines. I love that. Our job here is done. And then she <laughs> gives a extended raspberry. So the you know the drama of the episode. I mean, it's been talked about before, but I I do feel again the constraints of the eleven minutes. Really, I think I, I got a little more precise of a, of a sort of problem this time. It's that Stephen, when he makes some of his comments, he there I don't see a lot of build up in his body language or in just any a actions before like whenever he exclaims some emotional state that's when he's entered it right then and there like if he starts talking about oh it's the list that was mine and it's my fault and also it's my mom's fault as he does when he's on the ship yeah. it, those those little bursts are just a little almost a little cringy i do feel like some of his dialogue is there to move things along because mm -hmm. we don't really have time to show so all we can do is tell yeah well and again i think steven universe could just benefit so much from that showing and telling there's even small things like when they're first entering Funland and the crystal gems walk one way to look and steven walks another way and he's just sort of talking to, or well, he's not talking to himself. He lists everybody's names again, right? Because he's like just quietly, Connie, Jamie, you know. And some moments like that don't always have to be filled with dialogue. Like I know Stephen only thinks that people will, he's never had a moment in his life where he was just walking around saying someone's name and they popped up. That never <laughs> happens. But also like how much better to just see Stephen sort of bummed out looking around Funland and, but, but there's not dialogue carrying it the whole way, right? But the problem is that the show thinks that through the 11 minutes, they have to talk the whole time in order for you to be looking at the screen and understanding what's going on. It's unfortunate, but like, 
I, I can't not be frustrated by it a little bit because it takes away some of those a more emotional connection. I can't connect with someone who speaks everything aloud more than, you know, like I would, right? Talking about effective use of silence, you're making me think of the beginning of Together Breakfast, where he does call out people's names and they don't show up, <laughs> but most of it is him quietly making his breakfast. Right. That's... You are out of control. And you get the, those moments are great for like, we enjoy Steven because the music is supporting him there. Yes, that was that was nice. And the actions are funny. The dialogue he does have at the beginning of Together Breakfast is just to punctuate some points like the I already said that you are out of control. It's fantastic. That actually is a really great moment to point to because that's exactly the type of thing writers could keep using. It doesn't just have to be silent in order for there to not be talking. The music of the show is incredible and provides a really good support. I mean, if you have some of that piano electronic music supporting Steven walking around Funland, I'm going to connect with that. You don't have to have him saying names. And like, if I see, you know, I've seen Rebecca Sugar's facial animations. If you draw Steven's face in a certain way and give him some supporting music on the ship, I'm going to understand what he's thinking. And then if you have him say something like, struggling with his mom or with I gave my friends up then then I'll feel that more I will I will also concede though that I don't the other problem I had with it is just that Steven's realization that he his list caused these specific people to be abducted just wasn't really I mean did you feel the same that it wasn't like exactly the strongest thing like for Steven it's devastating but for the viewer I don't know how much we really care that that was Steven's fault or not yeah, for a viewer, it's like, eh, so what? I mean, they would have come and taken X amount of humans away anyway. The only thing you accidentally did with there's no way you could have predicted this is make it your friends they took. Exactly. I mean, we get a really dramatic, you know, blacked out background, just Steven's face sort of moment when he realizes it. And we even get the whole reuse of the clip from the past episode. <laughs> yes, gotta save that animation budget. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Steven Universe won't have a clips episode, but maybe they can slowly build up enough <laughs> to count his one 11 minute period. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know why that moment was trying to carry so much weight when, you know, it. I just feel it couldn't have ever carried that much weight for the viewer. I don't know. Maybe some people, if they were like really surprised by the whole my dad thing, maybe that would really hit you. And, you know, that's great for you. I wish I could have experienced that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think the part on the ship Especially where he's like, we're this far up. How do we get out? It's like, oh, no, Stephen, just please don't. <laughs> like, we understand you're in a bad situation. Compliments to Matt Burnett and Ben Levin for that bad situation line, by the way. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, again, you're just narrating to make sure the viewer is up to speed. Right. And I'm pretty much going to be up to speed in a Steven Universe episode. You know, there's not like it's not like it's a 44 minute long episode where I'm going to forget something happened. Like it's rapid fire and it's all fresh on the mind. So, yeah. Yeah. With, the, with 11 minutes, they they're usually pretty good about the pacing, but you don't really get much of a chance to forget anything. And especially, uh, yeah, we, we watched you take off, Steven. That was like two minutes ago. Mm. Yeah. Thinking of pacing for this episode, I... I I think they split up pretty well into the sort of three locations they were in briefly in Steven's house, Funland, and then and then the ship like that was handled pretty well. I felt like each place they lingered in the right amount. Yeah, I think yeah. another thing that contributed, though, to maybe 
I don't know. I just, if I kind of had to put Steven Universe episodes into a pile of like memorable and forgettable, this one kind of falls more in the forgettable category to me, even though it's more critical to the plot. It, like none of the locations, there's nothing new. Even when we go to the inside of the ship, it's a pretty uninspiring inside of a ship that doesn't, there's no like, oh, whoa, another inside of a homeworld ship. What's that going to be like? It's just kind of like, it's gray. <laughs> it's just kind of gray and blue. With the diamond authority symbol on the bottom, just to change things up. Yeah, I mean, and like we've been to Funland so many times that I don't know, like, was that the, why choose that? It's an interesting point. Like, why be at Funland over anywhere else for this confrontation? I don't know if that was like the most exciting place for the fight or anything. I did have a good gag with Garnet being thrown into the knockout booth. Not all fights can be on top of a burning train. (laughs) No, that is true. I I thought this was a good episode uh, as far as Aquamarine. Mm -hmm. It makes it very memorable for me. I I really enjoy her as a character. She is an excellent antagonist, and especially we'll see in Stuck Together the additional layer to her. Right now we get a really good look at her, and she'll become more complicated in in the next episode. Yeah, I I will say that Aquamarine is a memorable character, and it I'm concerned about how much we're really going to see her in the future because she is just a henchman for the diamonds. Uh, she she doesn't play any other bigger role in this plot that's going on. So I don't know. Well, uh, remember she is a right hand gem to Blue Diamond. So if Blue Diamond was say unsatisfied with the yellow zircon explanation for how rose died who might she send to earth to procure extra facts you know perhaps telling yellow that's a pretty good idea that would be a great way to reintroduce her i mean she's a villain that is villainous right oh she loves her job besides yellow diamond i haven't seen any other like truly villainous gems i mean i'm trying to think uh, jasper i mean i don't know what i'm saying jasper's pretty villainous peridot started out villainous Jasper remained villainous. All the homeworld gems, um, they seem fairly satisfied with their jobs. I mean, even Blue Zircon enjoyed being a lawyer, except she didn't like the hopeless case she was given. Yeah. I mean, we've pretty much seen, like, I mean, I wouldn't say anywhere close that Jasper's been redeemed, but we've definitely seen her broken, and we saw Peridot transform. We saw that Topaz was, you know, pretty emotionally available <laughs> to for change. I mean, Aquamarine is is a little special. I mean, it's not like either of the Zircons we saw. They're not particularly malicious, but but, but Aquamarine definitely enjoyed her power and her position. Those are important qualities that are somewhat similar to Jasper in uh, building it. Well, gems are very status conscious. Even Peridot is jealously defensive of her status. Yeah, well, that's a good point, too. That could be a place where we see Aquamarine be put down a little bit be humbled is is maybe something relating to her status because that's probably more important to her than her power and she probably can't be insulted on her height but who knows <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm hoping we see more aquamarine because i mean uh basically three episodes yeah not satisfying no and such a great va so i mean she's just mm, marvelous like i said if if i'd even if i don't like the way this episode feels in uh some spots aquamarine carries it for me yeah i'll i'll agree with that for sure so did you have any more thoughts about i am my mom 
Oh boy. Well, we this is not the end of Stephen dealing with him being his mom. So here's to <laughs> exploring that a lot more. It is both one of the things I enjoy most about the show and yet also enjoy least because I love Rose Quartz and I love the idea of it, but I don't love how Steven reacts to it. But that's okay because maybe that tension is a good thing. Yeah, he's just stuck in a constant state of being shocked about Rose Quartz. And every time you think he's moved past it, you find that he hasn't. <laughs> yep. So, you know, here he makes a big decision that is that pushes him to the next place. So that's yeah, great. Yeah, that next and... place is Homeworld. Yeah, and hey, we get to see Homeworld soon. So good, good choice, Stephen. Thanks for, thanks for taking us there. He may not ask follow up questions, but his decisions take us to interesting places. <laughs> Absolutely. So, guys, uh, join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13, and I'm David. Please uh, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.